Today in Science from Wired. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Palo Alto Networks has the broadest, most comprehensive cybersecurity for private cloud, public cloud, and SaaS environments because secure clouds are happy clouds. Protect yours today at go.paloaltonetworks.com slash secure clouds. A physicist breaks down one of Roger Moore's iconic Bond stunts by Rhett Elaine. Roger Moore died today. Now, you could argue that Moore was not the best James Bond, and I'd be willing to have that discussion at some point. But I think everyone agrees he made significant contributions to the 007 canon. I certainly think so, if only because when I was a kid, Moore was the James Bond I saw in movie theaters. Sean Connery was the James Bond who appeared on television with older, outdated gadgets. To honor Moore's passing, I thought I'd use physics to analyze one of the many cool scenes in his Bond oeuvre. I considered taking a look at his amazing submersible Lotus Esprit from The Spy Who Loved Me, but I've already written about the physics of submarines. Instead, I'll examine a crazy scene in Moonraker, in which the henchman Jaws throws 007 out of a plane without a parachute, and Bond must steal a parachute from some other evil dude while plunging toward Earth. Allow me to pose some questions and answers. Could Bond catch another skydiver? Looking at the clip, Jaws' minion jumps from the plane, and Bond follows about five seconds later. If both men were in freefall, Bond would be hosed. There's no way he could catch up, because both men would be accelerating at 9.8 meters per second squared, the acceleration of a free-falling object. Ah, but the men are not in freefall. Freefall occurs when an object is under the influence of a gravitational force alone. But a skydiver is subjected to two forces, for the sake of this discussion anyway. The first is the downward force of gravity, which depends upon the mass of the object and the gravitational field. The second is air resistance. This force depends upon several things, including air density, the shape of the object, and its velocity. You can test this yourself, and you don't even have to jump or be pushed out of a plane. Just stick your hand out the window of a moving car. Feel that force pushing it back? That's air resistance. Place your hand straight up, 
like you're making the sign for stop, and you'll feel greater resistance. Force. Now make a fist. You should feel less resistance because you've decreased the surface area, but that's a topic for another post. So, back to Bond tumbling from that plane. Both gravitational force and an air resistance force act on 007 and that minion he must catch up to. At first, the air resistance force and gravitational force act in different directions because the two guys are moving sideways. But as the skydivers increase their downward speed, the air resistance increases in magnitude and points in the opposite direction as velocity. Within seconds, the air resistance pushing up and gravitational force pulling down add up to zero. With zero net force, each of them tools along at a constant speed. Physicists call this terminal velocity. A normal human achieves a terminal velocity of about 50 to 55 meters per second, or around 120 miles per hour. At this point, the minion is just chillin', observing the scenery, and maybe wondering what he will have for dinner. No big deal. Bond, on the other hand, has work to do. He must catch up with the guy, or die trying. All he has to do is decrease his surface area. Notice how he moves his arms closer to his body. This decreases the air resistance, allowing Bond to accelerate as he continues plummeting until he again achieves a terminal velocity greater than that doomed henchman. So, yes, Bond could totally catch another skydiver. But how far would Bond fall? Bond certainly has his work cut out for him. He must catch the henchman, fight him, and steal his parachute before donning that chute and fighting Jaws. That's a lot to do. Looking at the video clip, the dive appears to last 115 seconds. How far would Bond fall in that time? Let's do the math. Allow me to make the rough estimate that Bond moves at a generally constant speed. He eschews the standard skydiving position for most of his dive, so let's assume a terminal velocity of 60 meters per second. With this, I can use the definition of average velocity in the y-direction, to solve for the change in vertical position. Average velocity equals change in vertical position divided by the change in time. The change in vertical position equals average velocity times the change in time equals 60 meters per second times 115 seconds equals 6,900 meters. Falling 6,900 meters, more than 22,000 feet, is a stretch. Such an altitude is clearly higher than you'd want to go without supplemental oxygen, but lower than the death zone of 8,000 meters at which there is too little oxygen to survive. Still, for Bond to fall that far, the plane would have to be flying even higher and it would still leave Bond no more than 1,000 meters to pull his chute and survive the dive. Overall, I guess this is at least plausible. Could Jaws use his arm to fly? No, but it looks funny. 
Would a circus tent save Jaws from certain death? As the scene ends, Jaws breaks his parachute and lands on a circus tent. Suppose he had a speed of 50 meters per second when he hit the tent. Looking at the video, the tent slows him to a stop in three seconds. What would be his acceleration? I can use the definition of average acceleration. Average acceleration equals change in velocity divided by change in time. JAWS experiences a change in velocity of 50 meters per second, so I simply divide this by the time interval of 3 seconds to get an acceleration of 16.7 meters per second squared. It turns out that acceleration provides a good indicator of human damage. Too high of an acceleration results in a dead person. Typically, physicists consider acceleration in units of g's, where 1g equals 9.8 meters per second squared. Jaws would have a landing acceleration of only 1.7 g's. According to this table of human tolerance to g-force, Jaws should easily survive this landing and live to die another day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.